you'd like to take your seats, that would be wonderful. How beautiful it is to be in this glorious house. I reckon we should call this place the Upper Room. There's a reason why there's stilts underneath this building, but they're a little bit closer to God. We're in the Upper Room, and we're all here in a Honda. Amen? They're all in one accord. It's a joke. Anyway, all right. Well, my message today is all about unity. And my title I have, I've, I've got here is, is, I'm part of the union. When I was in third form, back in 1973, okay, Pastor Phil, there was the, a hit on the radio. It went to number two in Australia, and it was called, You Can't Get Me, I'm Part of the Union. You remember that? It's like, you can't get me, I'm part of the union. Yeah? Until the day I die, <laughs> until the day I die, hey, sort of thing, you know, a real, you know, a real man song, wasn't it, Phil? You know, for those people who are in the union, the, 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 the dock workers standing up for their rights, you know, but there, there, was, there was strength in unity. The union movement understood that if you can actually come together, there's strength in unity, amen? You know, and it's a principle of the kingdom. They might have used it for their purposes, which is great, but the reality is God is actually a God who wants us to be united. Can you say amen to that? So I want you to turn to your neighbour and say, I'm part of the union. I'm part of the union. I want a bit of attitude here today. Is that okay? It's good to have a bit of attitude because sometimes we're a bit, we can be a bit of a wuss when we're a Christian, but we're not. We're strong because we're part of the union. Amen? Great. Okay. My, my scripture that I want to start with today is from Philippians 2, verses 1 to 4. And it should be up on the screen. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, there it is, unity. If any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, there's unity, Having the same love, there's unity. Being one in spirit, guess what you can see there? One of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Beautiful. Unity. Oneness together, looking out for others and not being selfish. The Christian life is all completely about unity. Jesus came 2,000 years ago to unite us with God. We're united with God. So our unity is one, we're united with God because of Jesus. Number two is that our unity can be within. We find that we... find ourselves in our sinful state, we find ourselves broken. There is a brokenness inside. Instead of us being one, we find ourselves fractured. And there are parts within us that we don't like because they, they're inappropriate. They don't belong to you. They're added things that the world has added to us. And it breaks us down so we don't feel singular, whole, complete, one. So God has come through Jesus Christ so that we in ourselves can be united and have a single person. That you're not divided in the way you think. You have one mind. There's clarity when you actually know who you are. And the knowledge of who you are, your identity is paramount for to have a successful life. And the third part of unity is that we're united with others. We've been called into a family. We've been called into a place where we can love one another. Jesus put it this way, when he was asked, he said, the the question was, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, normally we just jump in and it says, oh, love the Lord your God. But wait, Jesus doesn't answer straight away that way. He says, the most important one, hmm, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He starts off, before he talks about love, he talks about unity, the oneness of God. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one, singular. We believe in a singular God. 
God is one substance, God Almighty, in the Trinity, the unity of our God. And it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. If you were to consider that our God, if he was singular, like some other beliefs have in this world, there was a God, just one, one, one. But we have a unity in a Trinity. There's a unity, a oneness in the Trinity. That God the Father is 100% God. Jesus is 100% God. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. And they're 100% unified with one another. In love and cause, their purpose, everything is united. But they're united in relationship. It's the relationship, their togetherness and relationship that makes them strong. Now, other religions have a God that actually is singular. I won't name the, the religion, but there is a big religion in this world who's singular. They say, you know, they're always saying, God is one, God is one, God is one. But my God lacks nothing. He's got absolutely everything in him. And the very thing he has within him that a singular God has not got is relationship. There is a relationship, a close relationship of love that's in the very core of our God. He lacks nothing. And the beautiful thing with, with him, his love is so great that he can't keep it to himself. And guess where he wants to pour out that love? Me, you, you, that almighty God that created the whole universe has got you in his sights because he absolutely loves you. Before time existed, he wanted to have one of you. So when he, he started, started creation, he set up a world, he set the world up so it was fully complete to meet all your needs. He loved you so much and he placed you in time at a certain place with certain parents in certain, certain circumstances and he allowed the gospel to come into your heart and saved you from this world for a purpose and a plan. And each and every one of us, even though we share the one, one saviour, Jesus Christ, God has a purpose which is unique for every single individual. Even though that we are together, we are one, we're still unique you're unique. God is making you unique. There is only one God and there's only one of you. Think about it. The great I am, that is God's revealed name to Moses, I am. Guess what? We all have the right to say, I am. I'm Roger. Who are you? If I say that you're not the person you are, you go, no, no, no. If I said to Katrina, you're Betty, she goes, no, 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 I'm Katrina. Yeah? We all have an identity, a oneness. Isn't that amazing? Because our God is one. He's singular. And he loves us so much. He's actually given you freedom, free will. He's given you character, personality to be uniquely you. How good is that? That's, that's something to celebrate, I reckon. Okay. So let's get back to our scripture. That was a little, ooh, it wasn't in the notes, but it was fun anyway. Okay. Back, back to verse 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. It's a bit of all, isn't it? Let's do it everything, wholeheartedly, fully. And I love the worship this morning. Thanks, wow. Pastor Julie. And the music team, wasn't that awesome? That was an all-in, wasn't it? That was an all-in love fest. Wow. I feel loved, and, I feel, and there's such an opportunity to worship. Oh. Oh, I've got to sell this one. There's another one. I, I tangent a bit. Is that all right, Pastor Phil? Okay. A few years ago, I came across the best definition I've ever come across of, for worship. And that is love's response to love. Now, you might think that we've come today and we've worshipped. We've worshipped in singing, but the worship would not exist if it wasn't for the love within. We're actually we're, we're, we're expressing our love for how much God has loved us. Did you get it? That's worship. In the marriage vows, some of the old marriage vows, the staying would be, and with my body I thee worship. And you go, what that? Oh, we shouldn't be worshipping something else besides God. But no, 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 with my bride, I love her. She loves me. And there's a response, there's a worship, a response that goes on. You know, there is a love. It's holy, holy matrimony that we love uniquely with one another. No one else, no. We have a unique love and it's a worship. It's love's response to love. This is what God is talking about. So when we actually to love God, we, we worship Him because He loves us. We love Him. 
And then we're called to actually love our neighbours. Why? They love us. Amen? You go, no, they don't. Yes, they do. (laughs) I'm telling you, when Jesus, every single person here, we have Jesus Christ living within us. And if Jesus loves you and he's living within you, then his love can flow through you to love me. And Jesus lives in me and his love can bubble up. I've got more than enough because the love of God is like a river flowing from the throne of God and I can just keep loving. You can love and love and love and share your love. So we can appreciate one another because sometimes this world can knock you about, amen? And you need that love to actually lift you up and say, you're doing okay, we're with you, come on. Okay. So then, 31, it says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. God is one. Have you got that? Have I made my point? I think I have, but that's okay. Okay, and a union is, is always through, to God through love. The Apostle John says this, he says, God is love. You do understand that if God was actually to take away his presence from this whole world, there would be no love. In this modern world, we have no idea the effect that Jesus did to this world. This world is a totally different world than if, he, if, if Jesus did not come back 2,000 years ago and shows his love and shared the love of God, oh my goodness, I wouldn't want to be living in this place because everyone was out for their own stuff. And if you look at nations that don't actually understand the love of God, you find there's turmoil in there. Everyone's fighting, top dogs, and it's, it's, it's a horrible thing. But the, this world has been changed because of the love of God. And if he takes himself away then woe to us to not have love. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce, and in that he says, in, in hell, this is just an illustration, okay, but he says, in hell, all the people that went to hell first, they live way, 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 way out in the far, far outskirts of hell because no one can get on. So they just keep moving out. <laughs> Everyone's getting annoyed at your neighbour. Well, I'll move, I'll move, Ugh. You know, you have these people, oh, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go down to hell with all my mates. You won't get on. Where there is no God, there is no love. If you want unity, if you want community, the place to come is to Jesus. If you come to God, that is where love flows. Connection happens, where you're understood, where you're appreciated. This is the heart of God. God is love. got in my script here says warning 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 danger will robinson (laughs) is it can this be true warning you remember that warning warning (laughs) danger danger um that's uh, lost in space for the younger generation uh, or a misspent use of watching television some people think that watching television is a waste of time but i made a career of it anyway I worked in television and ran a television ministry. Hallelujah. God does use even the useless stuff in life for his benefit. Okay. So the enemy says this. He says he will try to separate you from God. Now the enemy will come and actually lie to you and deceive you. He wants to separate. He understands the power of unity. Don't misunderstand that the the enemy is alive and well. And he wants to separate us. He'll deceive you in thinking that you're not holy. I am holy because God is holy. God has chosen, he says, I want you, you belong to me. And he puts this, I, I am here, I'm being separated from the world because of Jesus to be his. My holiness comes because I've been separated for his purposes. Okay? Now, if I get a bit of dirt on me, am I still, am I still holy? I actually am because I'm still, I've been appropriated to be, gathered by God to be for his purposes. So when I walk through this world, I'm going to get a bit of dirt on me. And when Jesus had the disciples go out, when they came back in, what did he do? He washed their feet. He didn't wash the whole body. He got rid of the issue. He says, you're my disciple. You're holy. You're separated from me. Let's just get rid of a bit of the dirt off your feet. But you actually are holy. And some of us, the enemy would say, because you've got dirt on your feet, yes, you've stepped out and done things that you're going, oh, what did I do that for? And the enemy will come in and he'll condemn you and saying, therefore, you can't be a Christian. But his word's not true. His word is a lie. God's word is who we stand on. 
And because of what Jesus did for us, he separated us and made us holy. We are separated. We, we, we're especially him, okay? So be careful of the enemy. If you've got words that are pulling you down inside your mind, stop one minute and say, whose words are they? It's the enemy that's pulling you down. Because my God, he will actually encourage you. His words build up, edify. They lift you up. You are a child of God. You're precious in my sight. You're so value, valuable. You are mine. That's the words that God speaks into our heart. But the enemy would say, you're useless. How could God choose you? You're worth nothing. And then he'll lead you down a, a path of despair. And then the other thing the enemy will do is he'll actually cause you to have mistrust with others and to take offence. Did you know, I actually, I, I believe this, I believe that you can't offend anyone. You think, what? No, I actually think you can do some really stupid stuff and you're setting yourself open for someone to take offence. But the reality is people take offence. Are you someone who takes offence? You need to stop and say, hold on a minute. I'm not going to take offence here. They didn't understand. If my saviour can hang on the cross... And what did he say? Forgive them, Lord. Can you say that again? What? They don't know what they're doing. Did he take offence? He didn't. He didn't take offence. Should have he? Maybe in the human... Most of us would be going a bit ticked off, you know. But he didn't. He understood that the Father of God, he says, vengeance is mine. My God and your God is a just God justice was taking place all the sins of humanity went to jesus on the cross the punishment for crimes that you did and those people have done evil things to you those crimes have all gone to the cross and we're meant to be those who actually can minister like jesus and show mercy and grace and share what has been given to us with even our enemies bless our enemies but the enemy wouldn't want us to do that because he knows that if he can separate us then he will defeat us so let's, we, let's be a church that actually we look after one another, we care for one another. And when our pastors speak to you and, and, and say, correct, bring correction to you, don't, don't take offence. Say, no, God is going to use this for good, for me. We need to stay within the constraints of God's principles and the way he lives life. That's where unity is found in God's, God's set ways of doing things. Okay. So back to my three points, the unity with God. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, God has made a way for us to be in union with him. This is the fulfillment of Jesus' prayer. In John 17, 20 to 21, we read, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now, he's talking about the disciples. And then he starts to talk about us, about you and me. Because we are the ones who follow Jesus Christ, not because we've seen him, but because we've heard about him. So he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So Jesus is praying for you and me. The very saviour of the earth is thinking about you. He's thinking about me. He says, that all of them may be one. This is the prayer of Jesus. That we may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Have you ever seen those Russian dolls? Babushka dolls. Have you seen those? And you open the doll, there's another doll inside. You take it out. Wow, look at that. There's another doll inside. <laughs> and there's a doll in doll. You know, we have to consider ourselves that we are in Christ. We are with God, and I love the worship that we had today. We, we are singing and celebrating about the oneness. Pastor Julie's prayer that she's been leading us through over the last few months, about us being one with God, one with the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and we're loved. We need to meditate on that. Get a true understanding on that. Walk in faith in that. I was talking to Lawrence early before the service. I was talking about faith. Now, there's a big difference between believing for something and having faith in something. You think, no, oh, but they're the same. No, 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 no. You can believe you're going to get something, but when you have faith, you have it. Scripture says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what does it mean? It's substance. No, it's something you've got. It's tangible. I've got it. I've got it. 
So when you actually pray, they think, Lord, we just, I want to be filled by your spirit. I believe you're going to fill me with your spirit. I need to actually just meditate on that day and night. And, be, and my belief will shift into a point where it's like, okay, and you have the moment, you go, I've got it. And you have a got it. No, I've got it. I've got it. I'm not just believing. But no, I've got it. I've got it. It's mine. And no one can take it away from me. It's mine. It's mine. Heaven is mine. All the blessings of God are mine. His promises are yes and man. We can say they're mine when we have faith. But there's a journey into faith, and that is to meditate. The Bible says to meditate on His Word, to meditate on His promises. And you have to churn over it. It's like a cow. You know, they sit there in the paddock, and they're churning over. They're chewing the card, chewing the card, chewing the card, chewing the card. And then suddenly, they got it. The cows are smart. Oh, they like their food anyway. <laughs> anyway, if you like grass. But anyway, but the idea, get the idea? We need to meditate on it. When I was at the ABC, I was a trainee at the ABC. I worked there for 11 years. And God used that time to actually equip me to actually go out and run a television ministry for Pastor Phil Pringle. So I was, I was there and I, at that particular time, I had not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And um, Jeff Bullock, who knows of Jeff Bullock? He wrote the great song, The Great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Um, he was a, a worship leader in another church. Anyway, he was, a, he was a, a cameraman at the ABC. And he actually said to me, Roger, you, you, you're always walking around just heavy. You just, you just look, you're just carrying load. Man, you need to get into Romans 8.1. <laughs> Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I went, oh, okay. He says, you need to meditate on it, chew on it, think about it. All of that's it. That's your medicine. That's your, the tablet you need for the rest of the week. And so I chewed on that. Meta, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Well, there's no condemnation for Roger because he's in Christ Jesus. See, this oneness is pretty amazing stuff. Because, I mean, in Jesus, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for, for those in Christ Jesus. I know it. I have faith in that because I've meditated on it. I've chewed over it and chewed over and chewed over it and I've actually become one with that promise. I'm connected to that promise. I'm connected to God. There's no separate, there's no condemnation that separates me from God. My sin cannot. And at the end of that chapter in Romans 8, Paul writes, what can separate me from the love of God? And then he lists a whole pile of stuff. Because of Jesus, I have no condemnation because I live in Christ Jesus. And I don't walk according to the flesh. I've chosen to walk in the Spirit, a spirit of unity with God, a spirit of unity with the saints, that beautiful spirit. But when we, be, when we come, become one with God, we actually fully understand the forgiveness of sins. My sins are forgiven. We get the right to be called a child of God. A child of God. We belong to the family. I love family life. And I have to say, look, you know, just over 12 months ago, Katrina and I got married. Katrina was Pastor Phil and, and what's the other, Julie? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, anyway. One of those moments, it's all right. I know, it's going good. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and she's been faithful in this house for 15 years, just serving on the house, in this house. And God called us, called us to come and join the church, church here again after we got married, six months afterwards, you know. And Pastor Phil and Julie, they actually invited us to become pastors. And, and, and I am so honoured. Thank you very much for opening up your heart and opening up your church home that I could be have such an honoured place. So thank you very much for that. And I really, so I really appreciate the, the family that we have here and the connectedness that I actually have with all you guys. It's beautiful. You know, I had to give up a church family up at Foster and to be received here into this beautiful family, it's, 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 it's wonder, wonderful. But that's part of the church family. That wherever we go, there's church family that we can get, we can, that we're like-minded, like values, like similar principles, the same spirit, the same anointing. 
So with becoming into the oneness with God, we actually receive the Holy Spirit. We actually receive His righteousness. It means that I'm, I'm right with God. Because of Jesus, I'm right with God. And because I'm right with God, I'm actually right with others. Because even my offences that I've had with others, God has taken them to the cross through Jesus and set me right. So we always walk around with condemnation. Nah, there's been a process. It's not just a wishful thinking, it's a reality. Because of what happened on the cross. Christ has given us his, his righteousness has been given to us because he took our punishment. It's the, it's that the, um, he, he, he took my sin and he gave me his righteousness. The exchanged life. We all have the exchanged life. Okay. And through that, being connected to God, we actually have spiritual authority. We have peace and we have joy. We have access to the wisdom of heaven. We have acceptance and worth. And we have love and understanding towards others. We have security in belonging to God. The list goes on and on and on. If you list all the things that God has given us because we belong to Him, we are one with God in heaven. The riches are enormous. The blessings are beyond belief. And every day you can wake up to a new one. The Bible says that every day His mercies are new. They're new every day. And we discover more and more. He was... He is an infinite God with infinite mercies and blessings He wants to pour, pour upon us. So then brings my, to, us to my second point, and that is our u- unity within ourselves. Our lives are transformed through being in Christ. The old has passed and the new has come. When we get saved, we all know that we are tripart beings, spirit, soul and body. And if you didn't know, now you do know. Spirit, soul, and body, okay? When we actually ask Jesus into our heart, our spirit comes alive. And our spirit is perfect. All, there's no condemnation. Our spirit is absolutely perfect. Paul says we are actually seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's how holy you are. That's how perfect you are when it comes to your spirit. That is what is considered, I would consider, living above the line. Above the line of life in heaven I'm secure. But down here on earth, I've got a soul and I've got a, I've got a body. And they're affected with this because of this world. My body responds to the outside environment and my soul responds to relationships and, and hopes and disappointments, all these things. And so I have, I have these emotions that happen. And God has created us with an incredible variety of emotions. And if you've ever been through some hard times, it's amazing all the varieties of emotions that you can have. One moment you might feel de- defeated, and the next day you wake up and, almighty, oh, I'm going to, you know, you just, you know. So we have all these varieties, and some of those feelings we don't like. And we think, I don't like this, I shouldn't be, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't feel these feelings. And it's actually, well, no, you're actually born human and you have a soul that feels. Thank God that you actually have feelings. But the thing is, we're called, we don't walk by the flesh. We don't walk by those. They are not the things that decide my day or your day. But they're, 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 I see them as warning lights on the dash. Oh, there's a, da- a light. Oh, I'm angry. Flash, 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 flash. Why am I angry? Instead of me going out and lashing out on anyone who comes my way, I can go, hold on a minute. I'm angry. Now, anger is actually a righteous virtue, a, a, a feeling that's good. Because it's actually saying there's been an offence happening. Something, ro- something, someone's been wronged. That's not right. And so you need, well, hold on, I mean, that's not right. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to deal with that. And so we actually rise up. It gives us strength to do it. God has wrath. Does God ever sin? No. Did Jesus ever sin? What, what happened when he went into the temple? Remember when he went in and he chased out the money lenders? I think he was a bit ticked off. Did he go, no, 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 I'm not going to be, I'm the Messiah, I've got to be a good boy. No, no, he says, hey, this is my dad's house, you're ripping off these young, these people who are coming in, it's with the intention to worship my God, and you're denying them that access because you're ripping them off. He didn't actually go that way, did he? He got the whip out, go on, get out. And he didn't sin. So actually, anger is actually, it's a virtuous thing. It's when we rise up when there are wrongs, okay? But it's how you deal with it. 
Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger because then you're fuming. And that's no good for the family or your wife and those people around about you. But our souls, they swing. There's a swing that we have in our soul. And there's a swing to life. There's seasons. There's ups and they're down. And you get to go, okay, it's one of those seasons. Sometimes you might wake up in the morning and you're feeling a bit blue. I've got a blue day today. You can actually enjoy that because you can do a bit of navel gazing. Some people may not like doing that, but consider yourself sometimes on those days when you're feeling a bit flat. I know that sometimes, you know, God has used days where I'm feeling crook to actually make me start thinking about some of the things that I'm most probably not doing right. So that's, that's, that's good things of being flat. I don't have to be up here all the time. Oh, funny, funny, funny. funny. Everyone goes, would you just settle down, you know? But, the, but we all have a the beautiful thing too is we all have a variety of personalities. We've all been created with uniqueness. And some of us are party animals. Hallelujah, we get to party. And other people there are melancholics and we get the musicians that sing beautiful songs, you know. So all this variety, it's, it's good, okay? But give it unto God. We don't live by the flesh. We live by the Spirit. But let's actually accept our humanity that God is one with us, that we are... And now, this is the thing that actually is the issue with oneness, okay? When we become Christians, there are certain behaviours that actually are really good for you and there are other things that you do that it's just not befitting. It's not you. If you are a royal, if you're royalty, think of yourself as being a, you're royal and you're actually hanging around down in the, on the wrong side of the tracks, carrying on like a yobbo, Right? Is that appropriate for royalty? Ask. No, we won't say that. <laughs> we know of certain people that aren't, you know, who have royal blood that actually aren't acting as royalty, are they? And it's like, is inappropriate? You go, buddy, you know, just pull your head in and accept your, your royalty, who you are, and act according to it. And so we need to have a oneness in our, in our Christian walk that we actually, the Holy Spirit will say, you're out of line, your behaviour, that sin that you have in your life, you know, you might be thinking that's doing you good, but it's not befitting. It's breaking you up. You're broken because of it. And you need to be, you need to seek healing. And this church is a church that we want to see every single person in this, in this church healed. Not, not through condemnation, but through love. We want to actually bring you to a place of wholeness. That you are one. And when you're one in yourself... And you actually, God actually returns a purity to you. Because you know when you have guilt in your life, it just chews at you. It chews at you. And if you keep sinning, it's just like drinking poison all the time. If you hate somebody, when you've got hatred, it'll chew away at you. Release them. We've got two incredible powers as Christians to actually set us free and to make us whole. And that is repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. It'll make you whole. It'll make you one. You will no longer be divided. You will no longer be fighting within. And you'll be aligned with God's spirit. And his peace and his joy will flow in. Oh, to be one. And to receive forgiveness. That you receive back the purity that you lost. God is a redeemer. He restores us. He takes us from our brokenness and he puts us back together. And he has an incredible way of taking the broken and turning it into something that's even most, most beautiful. That's what he does. Like you take a mosaic, you know, it's broken tile put up and there's a picture and you stand back and go, wow. Our, bro our broken lives, when we allow God to put us back together again, we become a thing of beauty. And it's pure. We'll become better than what we were before. I find that really amazing. Did you know that our Jesus, who died on the cross, who's got scars on his hands, he showed them to Doubting Thomas. He's got a scar on his side where they pierced him. And he still carries those scars before the throne of God today. I would have considered them brokenness. Surely in his healing, he would have been totally healed that there would be no scars. But he actually carries those as a remembrance of what he did for, for us. And there's beauty in those scars. Because there's forgiveness in this, those scars. There's new life in through because of those, those stars. And God wants us to be like him. But sometimes you've got scars and I've got scars. Who's got any really good scars? Anyone got a scar with a really good story? What's your, Jackson, what's yours? 
Oh, yep. Wow. And the trust that he's had to have as a boy to actually put him, allow other people touch his body so intimately to put that pacemaker in. Buddy, there's faith and trust. You're a mighty man because of that. And you encourage us. Our scars... Our scars aren't useless. Our scars are actually where we can actually talk to those other people who are hurting. And we can tell them, hey, I know a God who can heal. That's the beautiful opportunity that we have when we're, we discover the healing, the, the unity within ourselves. So the third point of unity, how am I going with the time? Is that all right? Okay. We're joined together through Christ to build each other up in, in our faith. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 17, we read this. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? We're talking about communion here. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Then this is the scripture I really want us to look at. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. I think many times when we, com- we, we share communion, we look at communion as a place where we actually have our sins forgiven and we stop at that place. But the reality is, in Christ's body, his body was broken, that we can take part of each of us as we take part of that body, we actually become united together. We're united together here because of Jesus. His, his body was broken for you and me. He became human like you and me. He actually shares our humanity. He is our representative. That we are one. We're all together. We're on the winning team. Who's on the winning team? I'm on the winning team. We are victorious. And the Bible says that we're more than conquerors. See, Jesus was a conqueror and he's actually brought back the bounty. He's given us the bounty. We don't have to fight for the bounty. He was the victor and I just, I'm more than a victor. I just, he said, I'm going to give this to you. The Bible says that as a man and woman get married, the two shall become one. And then Paul says, he says, this is a mystery as Christ is one with the church. And our beautiful Saviour has won the victory and because we are now considered his bride, all the things that he has won are ours. It's ours. We receive all those things. But there's not to be selfish with them but to share with one another. You and I, we have community because of Christ. We're together. We can actually help one another and, and build one another up. We are part of the one loaf. We are part of the one loaf, Jesus Christ. Let's turn now back to our opening scripture. And Paul writes to the Philippians. In Philippians 2, 2-3, to 3, it reads, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind like-minded his first point there because we have christ living within us and he established his laws and the commandments they're now written on our hearts we actually have values that we have and share together we're like-minded singular vision over the last last month we actually came together for vision builders and we came together and were like-minded and declaring and coming behind the vision of our church through giving to our vision builders to actually fulfill things that God wants us to do in this place. So we actually have, we're one-minded in purpose, we're one-minded in value, we're one-minded in our love and consideration, we're one-minded that we actually all worship God together. We're one-minded, we're like-minded. We have the same love. Paul says, we all love each other because each of us is made in the image of God. The world is in turmoil at the moment because it really is, is, there's a real spirit of them and us. Have you noticed it? And now there's policies about this land of changing the, the way this land runs and it's a them and us deal. But in God's principle, there, if, if you look at scriptures, there's, it's, there's, no, there's no Jew or Gentile, there's no... It goes through, and there's no different nationalities. There's one people with one father. We're all in the one family. There's only one human race. There's not an African race, an Australian race, New Zealand race. There's, no, 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 no. There's one human race. And we're all different expressions of that same humanity. Amen? 
And we actually come together as Christians, we understand that. That each of us have unique value that God has put in us. That each of us actually reflect God. We bring part of the personality of God and share it with one another. You have God within you. I consider this when I'm as a, as a married man, that I have a responsibility as a husband to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I have a high responsibility to actually consider her above myself, to sacrifice myself for her. And then in her response and honoring me too, she actually looked at my needs and actually was responding back. But it's Christ through her. As we both love God and pushing more and more to God, there's just an endless flow of love. And as we as a church come closer, come closer and come closer to one another, we can minister to one another, edify one another, build one another up. This is a safe place. You know, as I said before, there's no condemnation for those in us, Christ Jesus. So for, for us as pastors, we don't bring condemnation. We come and we bring encouragement that you're so precious. Every single one of you, you're precious. You belong to God. God wants you to be completely whole. And he wants us to be connected, supporting one another, lifting one another up. This is one in spirit. We have the same spirit. The spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. That same spirit. How beautiful is that? Our union is with Christ. And has given us access to the same sevenfold spirit that dwells in Jesus. In Isaiah 11... 1 to 3, we read this. This is, a, this is a prophecy about Jesus. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, Jesse, of course, was the father of David, and Jesus was born in the line of David. So he was born from the line of Jesse, and he bears much fruit. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Okay, the Spirit of the Lord, <laughs> boom, boom, okay, sorry, wrong place to do a joke. Anyway, so the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I might get the musicians to come up, please, as I finish up here. We receive the grace of God through faith. We've been given a spirit of wisdom. We have been given the gift of understanding. And understanding is being able to understand one another. We are a church that shows empathy. We're a church that understands those people who are broken. We can understand the struggles of each other. This is our church. This is the spirit that's on this church. We have a spirit of counsel that we can actually bring words that actually lift people out of the mind and actually break the powers of the lies that the enemy puts over people. And he has given us a spirit of might. That is that we can stand strong. We're mighty men and women of God, standing against this war that has been set against the church through the enemy. We have a spirit of knowledge. God has actually can give us a prophetic vision for being able to see things in, in the heavenly realms. We can actually know things about people that there's no human way that God, that you could do it without God. We've been given the spirit of fear. These are all the spirits that are on Jesus, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You think, well, what am I thinking? We honor God. There's only one God. Our fear is a holy fear. We know that we need to have, we have a God that is the creator of the universe. We didn't come here by evolution. We were created. My Bible tells me that we were created from the very hands of God. And I, I fear that, that the very creator that can, who created me, in any moment, if he, if he wanted to, he could just obliterate me. And yet, he has chosen to show love, and so I honor him, the fear of God. Jesus did this. He humbled himself and said, I don't consider myself like God. I'm going to walk as his servant. That's as we should be. Are you a servant of Christ? Are you a servant of God? Do you fear God? by saying, my, my body, my life, my spirit, it no longer belongs to me. It belongs to God. He paid a price, the ultimate price, giving his life on the cross, shedding his blood for us. There needs to be a fear for us to actually say, Lord, I'm yours. Here I am. Use me. And the 
seventh spirit that Jesus had. It says he will delight in the fear of the Lord. There is a delight. There is a delight, a delightful spirit. Have you got a delightful spirit? What's your countenance like? People loved hanging out with Jesus. The multitudes flocked. They walked from miles away to hear him and sit at his feet and to hear him because of his delight and he delighted in the people and he says even to the kids he said which they his disciples thought oh there's these noisy brats here and he said no 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 don't stop the kid he's coming to me I delight in them come to me and that's God's call to you and me today because deep down we are children there's a childlike part of you that wants to be accepted wants to be valued wants to be seen wants to be loved God's got his arms open. He delights in you. And he says, come to me. Come to me. Those who are weary and burdened. Come to you. Come to me. This altar has been open over the last few months where God has been touching people's lives. I actually want to open up the altar for if this message where you actually found yourself, you're feeling separated from God. This is the moment where I want you to come out and actually receive the full acceptance of the Father that you are with Jesus. Or maybe there's places in your life at the moment are broken. Maybe this part of your life and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you know that little behavior you've got at the moment? Bring it to me. It's not good for you. It's not befitting. It's not who I want you to be. Today is the day to come and actually say, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all. I want to be one again in myself and the third call is maybe you've been coming to this church and you always felt like you didn't belong or maybe the spirit here is actually saying come and join us come and join us this is the place where you belong God wants every single one of us to be connected to a church family it's where God commands the blessing where he commands the blessing In Psalm 133, we read this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. When we come together and join in as the body of Christ and say, I belong, I come together, I want to unite my vision with the church, with, with, with God's house, there is an anointing that comes. Now, kings of old used to get anointed with oil to say that they were royal. But with that, that anointing, the, the, the shepherds used to oil, put oil on the on the sheep's heads to actually stop the flies being buzzing them around. And maybe you've got buzzing thoughts inside. God wants to bring an anointing for you that all those pesky thoughts that you're having will be taken away from you. And another thing that the anointing would do too is it would minimize the chance of a sheep getting its head stuck because if it got stuck in a snare, it could easily slip its way out. And the enemy would want to put snares upon you. He would not want to put a yoke that binds you. But the anointing, it releases the yoke. It sets you free. And this is a house where you can get set free. Free to understand that you belong to the Father. You're one with God. Free to be uniquely you, back to be connected back to you, whole, complete, singular, and connected to the body of Christ. Can I get everyone to stand up, please? There is an anointing flowing from in this house. Last week when I was sitting on the front for the church here, I saw a rock on the stage and from it flowed water. And that rock represents Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of this church. He's the foundation of the world. And he's a sure, secure foundation for us in this church is built on it. And this water that was flowing through, this is the river of life flowing into our church and I really do believe because of the worship 
the unity of purpose in this house, the faithfulness in this house that God is going to do a mighty, mighty work in this house. And this river is an ever-flowing river. Ever-flowing river. Just close your eyes right across this house right now. Lord, I just proclaim right now that your river of life is flowing through this place. Assuring people's connection with you. They are one with you because of Jesus. Let that anointing flow of you right now. You belong to God. There's no separation for those in Christ Jesus. There's no separation. Lord, I just pray too that this anointing, Lord, would come, would make people whole, holy, acceptable for you, Lord. Lord, for those sins, Lord, those behaviors and actions and thoughts, Lord, that are holding them back and they're breaking them, Lord, separating them, Lord. Lord, that they would fall off, Lord, that the anointing would break the yoke. Break the yoke. Break the yoke. Let there be healing, Lord, in this house. The spirit of, the spirit of intimidation is broken right now. The Bible says he's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, we pray and thank you for, for sound mind in this house. We thank you, Lord. Your word says that perfect love casts out fear. We take away that fear right now in this anointing today. But the fear that people have will break off now because of the love of God, because of his acceptance. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this anointing, Lord, of unity in this house. That we are one with you, united under the very name Jesus Christ, where there is no other name but Jesus. We surrender, we bow our knees, Lord, that bow our hearts, Lord, to you as one. We lift one another up in our holy faith. 